0: Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery and partisan hyperbole. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, humanities professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. I was reading a blog post. By Andrew Torba. And if you've never heard of him, he's the founder of Gab.com. It's a social media platform that is focused on free speech, freedom of expression. He's a Christian technology entrepreneur. He left Silicon Valley to start Gab after he saw a huge rise in censorship from big tech platforms during the 2016 election. Anyway, he was blogging about how viciously and violently the mainstream media was attempting to cancel, or at the very minimum, minimize the voice and scope of the Gab platform designed basically just as an attempt to give people free speech. It's fascinating to see how often this concept of free speech is attacked by big tech and corporate America. One of the cues used by those who want to silence someone is to simply declare without evidence or because they just deem so that a person is talking hate speech. This is that dog whistle that activists attempting to silence voices that they don't agree with that they most often deploy. Despite the clear messaging on Gab's website, they do not allow any illegal activity No threats of violence, no doxing, no pornography, no child exploitation, and no spam. They simply wanted to adhere to the principles of the First Amendment of the Constitution. Now, how could that be bad, right? Well, evidently, for, for many, it's a problem. As many only want one view out there in the public sphere, and that's the collective view. Gab has been deep platform banned by 25 plus different service providers over the years, including both Google and Apple Play Stores, payment processors, hosting providers, and even Visa. Those of you that listen to me frequently, you hear me rail on the concept that to have a democracy, we must passionately defend free speech, regardless of your political, religious, or social leanings. The natural state, really, of any institution, whether it's a political, mainstream media, or social media, is one of birth, growth, stagnation, corruption, and then ultimately falls. Sort of like the human body as we age. You know, this, there is this human tendency in democracy to begin with multiple perspectives, But over time, as political power parties gain more and more traction and power, eventually this diversity of perspective, it begins to dwindle down to one, two, or maybe three powerful ideologies. In America, it's the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And sort of like this Darwinian survival of the fittest, Those that have power, they attempt to take more and more power, and any dissenting opinions, they get squashed more and more over time, to the point where there are not any other opinions left, but the one or two dominant ideologies. And eventually those in power, they convince the masses that it's good, the pressure that is being exerted on those who don't think like the party. When it comes to the destruction of freedom of speech, the institutions don't need everyone to agree that censorship is a good idea for the other party. They just need them to stand idly by while those in power seize freedom of speech. I want to talk just for a minute about just politics in general and the squeezing that's going on between the two political parties that have power. The, the Democratic Party seemingly is pushing further and further left. The Republican Party pushing further and further right. As these two power boat brokers fight for policy decision, those groups that have an ideology on the far left and far right are squeezing out more middle-of-the-road moderate Republicans, moderate Democrats to the point... They're being pushed out of the party, and we keep seeing this grow as the independent voter or a voter who doesn't agree with either political party seems to be growing, yet the power is more and more concentrated than ever between the Democratic and the Republican parties, and we see this as their fear-mongering has reached epic proportions because they know the -the middle-of-the-road people they they feel they have no voice in the party, and in many ways they don't, but yet the parties will use language. Right? If you vote for Joe Biden, you are casting a vote for socialism, or if you voted for Donald Trump, you are literally voting for the end of the civilized America as we know it, and we're going to descend to a Hitler-esque style Germany. We can see the ideologies on the far left and the far right silencing minimizing scaring any voice that sit in the middle so if this goes on long enough and the pressures become more and more intense then there will no longer be a democracy but rather what we're going to be left with is going to be akin to like china where there's one view there's one idea And the masses all follow along like sheep, as if they don't, they're punished, they're erased, or even killed. Eventually, this Darwinian, this survival of the fittest mindset, where one idea, one concept, one party is constantly pushing on the other one to cancel it out. If we're not careful, we can end up in a place we don't want to be. The primary means to end free speech and how it's being deployed most frequently is to simply to label any and all dissension as evil or abhorrent the playbook is not a complicated one it doesn't take a genius to figure out how to do this but it is really effective to a rather unthinking and sheep-filled crowd of conformists if you support donald trump you must be a racist if you don't want the green new deal or if you don't agree to a national mass mandate to fight covid you must hate science. If you supported Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court, you must be a sexist or a misogynist. The labels, oh the labels! Oftentimes, by whoever, whoever, whoever wants to just slap a label on someone, is enough to mute that voice and allow the other position to amplify. Or going back to Gab and free speech and this free speech platform, the label of. This platform supports hate, justifies their attempt to cancel it, even when the facts bear out that they don't allow that on their platform. It's a dangerous, dangerous game to play to use fallacies and reasoning to draw out dissenting voices with these ad hominem attacks, which if we want to get all technical is just a rhetorical or a debate term. It's a it's a illogical, it's a fallacy in reasoning whereby rather than we debate merits and facts of a position, a person just simply attacks with personal attacks, unvalidated personal attacks. Gab is an example of the mass media and those in the media attempting to cancel a company and a platform entirely, using all kinds of of rhetoric. As for the closed-minded, the worst thing that can happen are people who don't agree with the prevailing mindset To actually have a voice to express it. How dare they ever even think they have the right to give an opinion. Unless, of course, it aligns with their specific mainstream media narrative. This isn't to bash progressives. True progressive, the real progressive, the pure progressive would welcome the intellectual debate of ideas in a public forum. But when we're dealing with the childlike mainstream media of today, this pseudo-progressive and honest intellectual debate is not something these feeble-minded people can handle. Or maybe they can handle it, but the network producers don't see the good for business or the money involved. I don't know which one it is with the mainstream media. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But the truth is the mainstream media are not honest power brokers. So they attack Gab and they attack it viciously. Doing everything in their power to deplatform, intimidate, and get them shut down. If you ever go to Gab.com and their blog, you can see the attacks they fight not to be canceled by the pseudo-progressives. It's actually very fascinating, and the Gab CEO does a great job every time they get a lawsuit, every time they're confronted by the mainstream media, every time they go out and they bring it to the sunlight and publish it. But this brings me to our topic for today cancel culture nothing is more anti-democratic nothing is more pro-communist mind control sheep mentality than cancel culture it's despicable and it's disgusting cancer that needs to be killed in america just in case i'm not being clear on how i feel about this cancel culture is killing what makes america and democracy great the free exchange of ideas is dying the political correct police are despicable. Cancel culture is nothing more than something deployed by weak-minded, those with feeble arguments, and bobblehead politicians who don't have the ability, the guts, or the brains to openly debate an issue with confidence. So how can we fight against cancel culture? Well, The fight against cancel culture it really has multiple fronts. And there's no nice way to say this. And as you can tell, those of you that listen to me frequently, I'm I'm passionate about this topic, so I'm not going to beat around the bush here. Those who advocate cancel culture tend to be very loud, very obnoxious, and very hate-driven. Those in pursuit of canceling the livelihoods, the reputation, getting other people fired from their job who have kids and family to support is, well, in my opinion, a lower form of life. And thus, rational, reasonable discussions that I always advocate and always think we should have is probably not viable in many cases. So the first thing we as a society collective need to do to weed out these bad actors is to visibly campaign against those who publish dishonest hit pieces outright calling for or suggesting an attack to close down a company or get a person fired or attempt to destroy the public reputation of good men and women, you don't you do not need to agree with the person under attack, but you should defend their right to voice the opinion you don't agree with. If only from the right and left, people would band together in this country to take on cancel culture, the obnoxious minority would be put in their place. Another way to ensure that cancel culturalists lose power, unfriend them, ignore them, stay away from them and their views. These people become empowered when their voices get amplified. But if they're not getting amplified in social media or other medias, the power is neutered and the impact for the next cancel objective is muted. In effect, personally, we should all cancel the cancel culture instigators. Finally, encourage those who hold the actual power in a situation to stay strong in the face of unfair attacks, even when those attacks contain explosive allegations. In fact, given the culture and incentives on Twitter, and the desperate desire for clicks, it may well be ultimately easier to defeat cancel culture by fortifying the relevant institutions, by depriving the attackers of the scalps thereafter. See, when a weak need CEO is being attacked to cancel or to submit to some ridiculous claim, and he or she is bombarded with the communications to cancel this or cancel this other person, they can perceive the overwhelming position of society is to simply submit to some politically correct request to and instead of stand their ground for what's actually right and good and honest. The pressure to conform, even for companies and CEOs, is very intense. And the people in power need to know that there are others with the opposite perspective and they shouldn't stand quietly by in the face of these attacks by cancel culture. Those are three real specific things we can do to fight off the minority of these rabid cancel culturalists out there. But again, they're very loud, they're very obnoxious, and like rabid dogs on prey. But in the end, they are the minority of Americans. And these cancel culture people need to know it. And our companies and our institutions need to know it too. So they don't like babies just submit to it. Many CEOs and institutions, sadly, they lack any backbone to stand up to mobs. They just don't have it. But I want to shift gears and talk the CEOs and the companies and uh, those that submit to cancel culture and just cave in. That's hard for us except doing the things I just mentioned. We don't control that. But I want to talk about how you and I and we and all of us as a collective country can all act the opposite of the cancel culture in our own lives. I don't want to be preaching about how terrible cancel culture people are. And here I do want to say, I don't think this is the majority of people. I think it's a very loud, obnoxious minority. Um, But at the same time, I don't want to call these people out and then not walk out the opposite ethics they're deploying when they're attempting to cancel companies or people or products. Because for me, there's an ethics involved in doing the opposite of what I'm railing against. And this topic is so important. It's that important to democracy that I want to invest time on it. But if we look at it objectively, the opposite of cancel culture is something simply known as open-mindedness. So for me, on the personal level, I don't ever dox, I don't censor, I don't threaten, I don't attack. I don't not out to ruin someone else's life who life who I don't agree with. Also, for me personally, there are people who need to be canceled. They need to be removed or otherwise banned from certain public squares. For example, I believe strongly that those people performing or advocating illegal activity, any illegal activity any threat of violence, any doxing, any pornography, any child exploitation, that's not acceptable. And it shouldn't be allowed anywhere, ever. In these instances, I'm right in alignment with the cancel culture. These things that do harm or threaten harm to others, they should not be tolerated and they should be stopped immediately. With all that, this being said, The biggest threat of cancel culture becoming more and more prevalent is for all of us to become just like the cancel culturalists, just like the closed-minded and angry mobs. In the end, cancel culture has one purpose, and it's to silence a voice, to stop a legally protected action, to force someone to think, act, or be like someone else, or else face the consequences. Nothing is more undemocratic. Nothing is more anti-free speech and freedom of expression. Nothing is more repellent and despicable than a person so weak intellectually that they can't even listen to an opposing side. So our actions, your and my actions, need to be the opposite of the mob, opposite of the cancel culture. So I'll be kind of biblical for the rest of this podcast, like the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. And and the rules to live by, worded in the language of "thou shalt not." Format. I'll articulate ten points that Americans, all Americans, should not do, so we can end cancel culture. By the way, I didn't come; these didn't come down from God on stone tablets. It's just my own personal observations, my own reflections on culture, society. And some of the things that I see from the younger generations in in the college classroom, and so far too many people are following into these lower forms of of rush thinking and and I'm as guilty of it sometimes too, and I'm sure you have been as well so let's let's get into them number one, thou shalt not ignore. Opposing viewpoints. Look, I get it. We all have biases and we don't necessarily want to even hear the other side. Ever had that moment where you're listening to someone who thinks the exact opposite of your views and listening is sort of feeling like being waterboard tortured? And you instantly reach for the remote or flip the radio channel. Or if you're speaking to someone face-to-face, you immediately try and change the topic or, or you leave the website. If you want to transcend, though, that the mental acuity of the cancel culture, you have to show an openness and willingness to listen. When we don't listen to other people with different views, it's akin to cancel culture. Challenge yourself to overcome that desire to at least try to listen and understand differing viewpoints. Number two, thou shalt not let your ego run wild. This is a really hard one for me personally. I love my wife and I agree with her on most things most of the time, but dang, it's hard to put that ego aside and listen. Versus trying to talk over and just win. Because, well, the ego always wants to win. It wants to win at sports. It wants to win at discussions. The ego likes to hear the self-talk. We like to hear ourselves talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. Well, you get the point, right? This is what cancel culture does. Silence one voice so there's nothing but the melodious harmony of one idea which everybody is agreeing with. It's so easy and simple that way. We need to avoid this trap. We need to put our ego aside and just listen. We then are demonstrating open-mindedness, which is critical to expanding our perspective on any number of topics. Just a little tidbit of knowledge. You don't have it all figured out and you never will. Either do I, nor anyone else, ever. We need to stop, and you need to stop, and I need to stop with the, how in the world can that person have that opinion? They must be so stupid Just stop it. That's your ego running wild. Number three, thou shalt not become a stagnant slug. Once we begin to be open-minded, something incredible does happen. The willingness and ability to embrace change with open arms emerges because you'll begin to see various possibilities and outcomes rather than judging it from only one angle of experience. You know that person who has never in 30 years ever budged off an opinion and there is nothing that will ever make them think differently no matter what. That is a slug mentality this mentality contributes immensely to cancel culture because those that have the i will think this way no matter what mentality can use this to to justify any action it's dangerous to get stuck in that stagnant mindset that simply can't consider other options number 4 thou shalt not zombie walk through life you know the person who only knows about sports cars, how to reach level 2050 on the latest video game. Well, so much in the world goes by and the person is obliviously ignorant. Open-minded people have a natural ability to want to know more about something. They tend to not judge an idea that may be presented to them with only what they know. They prefer to inquire, learn, perhaps even discover new insight into something that they were previously unaware of. The mind becomes trained to seek other perceptions first. The cancel culture wants the opposite. It wants you focused on other stuff so it can shut down and control other things. It, it literally just wants to shut down the other side while you're just utterly oblivious to it in many cases and in many times. So be curious about life. There's so much out there. and And be a participant in all facets of life. Not just uh, the latest uh, PS5 video game release. Number five. Thou shalt not be a pompous ass. You don't have all the answers to judge everything. Neither do I. None of us do. Open-minded people are willing to listen to someone without judging them or jumping to conclusions before they finish. And all the facts are presented. There is nothing more disgusting in our modern culture than our social media world when they go wild with playing the judge, the jury, and the executioner all on Twitter on an entire host of topics, legal issues, social issues, cultural issues, political issues. This is such a dangerous game for real people going through real situations. How many people would have been fired from jobs as executed for crimes or businesses sent to bankruptcy, if the Twitter moms were actually in charge and these courts of public opinion were the ones that actually made decisions. These places are dangerous to democracy because when a public forum becomes not just a place to give an opinion, but a place that looks to dox, extract social media justice, It's not democracy, and it's incredibly dangerous, and it feeds cancel culture. And it's very important that we know the difference between using our social platforms to give an opinion versus using and wielding these platforms as as a weapon to destroy other people. Number six, thou shalt not hold your opinion out as fact. It's okay to be opinionated. Of course, everyone has has opinions. Many of our opinions are incredibly strong. But viewing your opinion as the only right way to see something, that is not a characteristic of an open-minded person. It's a characteristic of a cancel culture person. If you think your opinion is valid, then why in the world would you think someone else's opinion isn't equally valid and they and they wouldn't be entitled to their opinion just like you are look you don't want your opinion canceled so what in the world and i'm speaking to the cancel culture group out there why in all that is logical and sane do you believe you have the right to quiet somebody else's voice it's hypocrisy at the highest level number seven about shalt not disrespect someone because you don't agree with them. One of the key characteristics of open-mindedness is being able, is being open to people's values, beliefs, and differences. Open-minded people believe that differences are what make everyone unique, which is an incredibly valuable quality. This is why cancel culture people always seem so angry. You know the type of person I speak of. There is always an injustice, always a wrong done to someone. The cancel culture person believes they are always surrounded by stupidity and ignorance, except the one common variable, wherever they are and whatever level of perceived stupidity that surrounds them is, is they are always there. They are the common denominator. Hmm. America is the most diverse country on the planet Earth. Religious diversity, ethnic diversity, intellectual diversity. It's one of the greatest strengths, and this is what we all need to embrace, not the closed-mindedness of other parts of the world. There are parts of this world, and not just in communist China or socialist Venezuela, but in the Western world, that if you don't conform to the woke mobs, you're an outcast, And if you're not in America listening to this right now, you know what I'm talking about. The forces to conform are very powerful. And and it's getting more and more like that here in America. And we need to stop this. This stopping of disrespecting other people because we don't agree with them. Number eight, thou shalt not name call. This kind of goes along with the last one. Open-minded people don't like putting tags on people flippantly, such as you're a racist, you're a sexist, you're a misogynist, they have a good understanding. Open-minded people have a good understanding of people's differences, and they don't just jump to conclusions. It's always easier, much easier to just talk the narrative and call people names and investing the hard work to truly reach a rational conclusion. The cancel culture really makes its money in the world of name-calling. It's the easiest It's the weakest and it's the most pathetic weapon of the cancel culture. I hope this eventually wears so thin that when the tactic is deployed, eventually, we just begin to dismiss it outright for the stupidity that it is. Number nine, thou shalt not be a limp noodled, slump-shouldered quitter stuck in the past. Open-minded people try not to dwell on the past too much. We can always learn from it, but we can't dwell on it. There's nothing worse than the, oh, woe is me mentality, because mistakes, events, or regrets, they need to be viewed as opportunities for betterment, even things beyond our control. I believe everything happens for a reason. A victim's mentality of what has happened in the past, or projecting some something into the future beyond our control today, in the form of fear or apprehension, that's just a recipe for, for failure. Cancel culture loves to solve the past, which can't be done, as it's in the past. And cancel culture projects a solution into the future. Sorry, but I don't believe that cancel culture has the perfect crystal ball to know definitely what the future will say any more than my ability to to predict the future. Thus, the strong-willed and the strong-minded live in one place they can control, the present. No excuses. No alibis, no yeah but, no canceling. Number 10, thou shalt not be a slave to problems. We live in a world with real problems. To pretend otherwise, that's well, rather Pollyanna, rainbows and ponies thinking. Open-minded people will take those problems and turn those problems into opportunities. So if you want to deal with the past, like I was talking about in number nine, look at that dumb mistake you made and look to look to turn that problem into a solution. People screw up. So do institutions. It's just life. Interestingly, those people, when someone screws up or says something bad, it's, it's It's rather ironic that they believe they should have the power to cancel someone out completely for making a mistake or creating a problem. When, If I went through their life, I can guarantee you I can find hundreds of stupid, ignorant mistakes they made that I could just as likely turn around and cancel them. But what we need to do, rather than just attempt to move to cancel someone immediately, we need to acknowledge the fact that there are problems, people have created problems, but there is a solution or at least a different perspective that we can view things from that were better than the the initial perspective. This enables all of us to see clearly when faced with difficult situations and, and allows us to tackle problems without panicking or flying off the emotional handle, screaming, cancel them, cancel them. So to wrap this up, the solution to the hideous cancel culture mindset is simply open-mindedness. Sure, there are specific tactical things we can do when cancel culture tries to lash out at a person or a business or a politician, and I discuss those. But more importantly is we, the collective, you and I in America, stem the tide of this anti-democratic mindset. And all of us remember the power of open-mindedness. As if the masses turn away from cancel culture and canceling out things and people and move back towards open-minded, critical thinking, then we can put to bed forever cancel culture and we can replace it with true critical thinking, problem-solving open-mindedness and then we're actually making progress on all these very important fronts that the political correct police the cancel culture say they want to deal with but the solution is not canceling the solution is the opposite which is open-mindedness Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value. Sorry, I got a little emotional on this one, but there is nothing good, nothing valuable or positive with cancel culture. It's for weak-minded, communist, socialist-minded people with weak arguments, afraid to debate an issue or solve a serious problem. Not those that believe in democracy and the ability to express ourselves freely and openly. I... I hope always you will be an advocate for the right to express opinions. I hope you will challenge yourself to try and be more and more open-minded, especially when you're dealing with people, places, institutions, ideas that you don't agree with and they don't mesh exactly with your own opinions. Remember, I generally publish new podcasts every Monday and Wednesday. So if you click like or follow, you'll be alerted when these new episodes come available. Until the next episode, I hope you have a wonderful week.